If I was to tell somebody, my friends, you know, you know I'm an addict, you know I'm an alcoholic, but now I've been going to AA meetings and I'm no longer an addict or an alcoholic now. They would say, that's wonderful, but then they watch my life and I am now still doing the same things that I did before. I'm still drinking, I'm still doing drugs. There is no discernible change, but I've been going to an AA meeting, so I'm not an addict any longer. Your friends would look at you and think, this guy's nuts. He, he's he's not fooling anybody and you wouldn't believe you know of that person you wouldn't believe your friend if he told you that right from the get-go but dear listener oftentimes people say i'm a christian right i gave my life to christ but i'm still doing the same old things that i have done before do you believe them and that's coming at you now Well, good morning and welcome to god's resistance where we resist sin self the devil and the world And in resisting, we're doing that first in our own lives, and then we're doing it around us because we realize that God's way is the best way. And first, we need to push off those things that would threaten to swallow us up, right? But it's not just defensive, it's offensive. It is a resistance in the sense that we're taking the battle to the devil's ground, and we've got to start that first in our own lives. And I want to look at a section of scripture, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through, let's see, 21. And we may go a little further depending, but 16 through 21 and try to deal with a little of the aspect of what does the Christian life look like if I really have given my life to Jesus Christ? So it says, this I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So what's going on here? First of all, if we were to take a a little bit of a contextual overview of the book of Galatians, the Galatians were people that repented from their sins, turned, believed on Jesus Christ with all their heart. It wasn't that they uh, were seeking salvation by works. They found it through faith in Jesus Christ. And then Judaizers came in afterwards and, and basically said, no, you still have to do this, 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 and this. And then Paul just tries to help them to understand Who are the people that are saved and who are the people that are not saved? What are the fruits? How can we know this? What's the life we're supposed to live? And he is saying, you need to keep in step with the spirit because if we're just going to go and follow after the law, the works of the flesh are very much alive. But if we walk after the spirit, we have power against those things. So uh, that's something we need to understand. When it says flesh, uh, it defines what the flesh is here. I do want to say that there are various different ideas of what the flesh is Um, And a lot of times people, you know, with the Christian life just think that this is some old ball and chain we have to carry along with us. And it's kind of a, you know, it's it's this thing that's attached to us that's always there for defeat uh, when the Christian life is supposed to be a life of victory over sin. I was listening to a a preacher a while back, and I'm not going to give his name, but he, he seemed he was quite prominent in the Internet world. Um, And he had mentioned something like um, he was defending the doctrine of once saved, always saved, or you can never lose your salvation. And he was saying that we are a three-part person, um, body, soul, and spirit. 
when we get saved, the Spirit of God comes and dwells the soul and spirit part of our body and seals it so that he can never leave. But the body part, we still can sin as we're a Christian, but it's not us, it's our flesh. And so, you know, regardless of what our body or flesh is doing, we're still sealed and saved because the Spirit of God dwells inside of our soul and in our spirit. Now, I don't know where all of that came from. He tried to pull again a a bunch of scriptures from every side trying to make this case. I thought it was a, a relatively weak case in that it it was not really exegeting what the scriptures said, and, and rather he was trying to kind of twist us all to fit something of his own thinking. The problem is, if you go back to the time of Irenaeus, that, what that man said, this modern preacher says, is the very same thought and philosophy that the Gnostics had, that my spirit is pure before God and my flesh is unholy. And really my body, there's nothing I can do about it because it's inherently sinful, which the Bible does not teach. So what does the Bible teach? We're told here, he starts off by saying, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, if we were to just try and live uh, the Christian life, the life that we find in the Bible by the mere strength of our human um, flesh, just unaided power, um, just trying to do it ourselves, we're going to fail, and we're going to fail miserably. If if it were the case that we could do all of this unaided <clears throat> with just sheer human strength, then why did Jesus die on the cross? We've got that to deal with. So he says the empowerment is then that you walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't fulfill those human twisted gratifications that depart from what God has originally intended. Why? Because he said, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that ye would. In other words, if you're saying that these two things are operating at the same time, then you never can do the right thing because there's a constant war always going in your breast. And that there's you can't tame the flesh and say, hey, flesh, this is how things go. And you can't have the spirit, um, you know, in the, in the same it's like a kingdom divided against itself inside of your own breast. He said they're contrary the one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. So what's the answer? If you're led of the spirit, you're not under the law. And what he's saying is under the law, that was people trying to obey God unaided by the spirit, just simply trying to follow God's laws by mere human strength. And he says, it's different with you if you've believed on Christ, because now you've received his spirit. You're not just trying to obey a list of rules, and you're not just trying to obey the law of God by mere human strength. You have been empowered because the spirit of God dwells in you, and you are following him. And if you follow him, you're a son of God. So that is a healthy view, scripturally speaking, of what the flesh is. What happens when we're saved is that our our flesh is crucified, it is buried, it's dead, and it's died with Jesus Christ, and we are raised to new life by his spirit. And because of that, if we walk in that spirit and we walk in his spirit, we are empowered for a life of victory, not just positionally, oh, I've been saved, so positionally I'm different, though there's no practical change. The Bible does not teach that we just have a a positional change with no practical difference. The Bible very much teaches that the gospel reaches right to where we're living and makes a practical change, and there is a radical change so that we are new creatures. All things that are old have passed away. Behold, all things are become new, it says in 1 Corinthians. So, 
and that may be Second Corinthians. It's five seventeen, one of the two, and I've got it a little jumbled in my mind. So you can double check me on the reference, but that is um, what I'm talking about there. So then, when we move on to verses uh, to verse nineteen, he tells us what the works of the flesh are. They are manifest. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. I want to unpack these. So, adultery obviously is if you are married, then you are being involved intimately, sexually, with somebody who is not your partner. And that marriage is not man and man or woman and woman. It's one man, one biological man with one biological woman. They're married and they're not being faithful to one another in the marriage bed. That specifically is what adultery is. Fornication, some have said that it only means um, sex outside of marriage. It can include that. But fornication is more broadly sexual immorality. And it it even says here in this verse 19, so fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, all of these words are are trying to encompass this whole idea of like sexual deviancy. So that would be homosexuality, that would be pedophilia, that would be bestiality, it would be any gross, twisted sexual thing. He's saying these are the works of the flesh. And if you look at the society around us at large, this is what people at large are given to in some way, shape, or form. Some people, it's just that they're having um, sexual intimacy with somebody when they're not married. But others, we see it's getting grosser and grosser as we look. The things that people are involved in and calling it love or calling it okay because it feels good when the Bible says these are the works of the flesh. And so the works of the flesh are, it's sinful. It's not something that should be a part of the Christian life. The works of the flesh are revealed here. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. So that's just one area. It's sexual deviancy. Then it moves on to idolatry. And this is where somebody hates the true God and has made another God in his place to worship him. We find that in the Old Testament where people are bowing down to statues and saying, oh God, maybe we don't in this country feel like that's really a big thing, though there is some of that. Um, When we look in Catholicism, there still are idols and things that people may uh, worship, and they take the uh, utmost place of Christ. Um, But also, it could be fame, could be money, could be a a lot. Whatever you give, whatever motivates you to do most of what you're doing in life is either you it's idolatry already, or it's very much endangering you to be in that place. And he said, idolatry is the work of the flesh. It's a sin witchcraft. So, you know, casting spells, um, you know, any kind of pagan rituals and certain things. Uh, There's no good witch, by the way. I'm a good witch. I'm a bad witch. No, there's none of that. God says witchcraft is wicked. It's sinful. It's not right. Hatred. So obviously we got some rankling that's going on inside of our own hearts towards another person. And then variance is when we kind of, you know, make a little distance between us and another person because of perhaps those feelings we get about being around them. Emulations is then when we want to be like those people because we perceive that they're higher than us and we want to get up to that. And after a while, it's not enough. We start to uh, despise the other person. So it says wrath. We start to be very angry. And then strife, we're making divisions. And that's in, in divisions and seditions. We're now making groups to split things up because now we want to one-up them. And then because of that heresies, uh, that doesn't mean just false teachings, but cliques, you know, groups that are warring against one another. And then verse 21, envyings envyings being now it's not enough for me to be equal with this person. I have got to get higher than him and smash them down. And then it culminates in murders. 
So all the way starting with hatred in the heart and going through this long string gets to murders. So this, this whole string of things, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, this is a heart uh, that is filled with sin. Um, and so there's works of the flesh. Drunkenness is a work of the flesh, uh, is a sin in God's sight. So you can be drunk all by yourself, that's a sin, but then it says revelings, which is the party life, you know, where you live to drink, where you live to party to the wee hours of the morning. He said those things and such like. So there's even more than that, but this is specifically what he was dealing with. And perhaps in Galatia, this was like a huge problem that they had to face. Uh, and so he's being very specific with them. He said, those are works of the flesh of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not, shall not, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But you, listener, might be saying, but I already gave my life to Christ, so that doesn't apply to me. This is not what Paul teaches. It's not what's inside of this uh, section of Scripture. There is no partiality with God whatsoever. He's speaking to Christians here and saying, you need to walk in the spirit and not walk after the flesh. Just walk after your bare human strength trying to do things. You need to be fully surrendered over to God. Allow him to have his way in you. You need to walk in the spirit so that you don't walk in the flesh, so that you don't walk in this sinful lifestyle. Because a Christian doesn't sin. That's what it says in 1 John, that if we're born of him, we sinneth not. And he that sinneth is of the devil. So we've got some things we've got to work through, right? Now, I'm not talking about if, if accidentally you fall into some kind of a sin. I'm not talking about that. If, if that happens, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What I'm talking about is those that say, I'm a Christian, but I still um, do such and such. He says here, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So dear listener, I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on. But I want to tell you that the, the message of the gospel is a message of freedom and victory and hope. If you do not have that freedom and victory and hope, then I challenge you to seek God with all your worth, repent of your sins, put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, surrender everything over to him. He said in verse 24 of this chapter, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And we if we live in the spirit, let's walk in the spirit. So he said, if you all have been saved, you've already crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. Dear listener, is that you? If it's not you, it can be you today. Don't stop short of having victory over those sins so that you can make it to his kingdom. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. I'd love to talk with you over the phone or if you're local, we could go get a coffee together. Every Thursday night, we're out in the public square at 5.30 p.m. and then an Abide coffee shop for a Bible study at 6.30 p.m. and also Sunday out on the square at 4 p.m. and we would love to see you there.